Hey everybody, welcome to Exo Squad Goals, the Exo Squadcast Podcast. I am Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. <laughs> and I'm Chris Ferrandino. <laughs> and we are talking about Season 2, Episode 13, Behind the Shield. And we're not talking Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and... Uh, the other guy who's you know, Seth Rollins. We know we're talking Mark Edens, Francis Moss, and Ted Peterson are the guys who wrote this one. Um, if those names sound familiar, they wrote Pirates Ransom and The First Step. So you know this is going to be a banger, as the kids say. Um, it is. Yeah, dude, it's fucking crazy shit in this one. Um, yeah, so let's uh, get right into it. What'd you guys think of this one? Uh, it's awesome. It's way better than the last one. Um, it 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 kind of reminds me of the beginning of Gangs of New York, where like it's just one <laughs> badass battle scene that sets up a follow up of more badass battle scenes to come. So, hell's yeah, Gangs of New York is a severely underrated movie. So good, it's, it's so, so good. good. Yeah, it's um, fucking. Wait, stop for a second. Gangs of New York is the shit. Just wanted to get that in there. Right, it's it's, o- it's only sin is not being the best Martin Scorsese movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if Darren Aronofsky made Gangs of New York, people would have been all over it, all over it, all over. Except it would have been like twenty eight hours long, and like <laughs> featured no violence. Yeah, there'd be a part where like Leo DiCaprio is peeling off his fingernails for no reason while he's like singing his mother's favorite like lullaby or something. It would Yikes. be real gross. The, the beginning part where they're walking out of the factory and then uh, that dude who's in every Irish movie kicks the door open is unreal. <laughs> and it's it's one of the few roles where you get to see John C. Riley be like a threatening badass. He's like of. a scary dude. Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty great. Um, yeah. uh, Cameron Diaz is most critically acclaimed film. <laughs> yeah, it's like that and then Bad Teacher. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just as a side note, if you guys ever go to New York, go to the Dead Rabbit Bar, because the whole thing's based on like that period of history and the gang, the Dead Rabbits. That's um, awesome. And the, the drinks book are is fucking bad great. too. Yeah, dude. Is is it is it at the Five Points? It's yeah, it's it's South uh, South Manhattan. So it's like literally, I guess in you hear people use the term South Manhattan a lot. Yeah, no, it's it's totally. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's at their uh, South Manhattan, you know. It's a downtown. What? South Manhattan. <laughs> Gabagool, down there. Oh, um, I don't know why it went Italian again. Because I am. Um, but anyway, so. Now back to Exo Squad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Chris, you were going to say about the episode. Oh, yeah, no, it's it, it's it's really good. And it's really uh, does a really great job at all the back and forth. And like, um, you know, you think like. Oh, the Neomegos have a one-up on the Terrans, and the, the Terrans have a one-up on the Neosapiens. So I think it just does a fun job of that. There's like a few kind of logic things that I'm willing to let go. Yeah. Because it's just such a fun, like, battle episode. I really, I thought it was really good. Yeah, no, this is... The one thing I kept thinking is this is one of the first episodes in a long time that feels big, you know? Like, yeah, we were jumping around from place to place, you know, planet to planet, basically. Um and we're getting it's return of the jedi like yeah right like it's uh vibe. minus the teddy bears well the so. funny thing is so like based on last episode i was thinking i was like oh, you know the ones based that are that are sort of reminiscent of like history seem to be playing a little better for me than the ones sort of that are more movie based on movies and like that the whole genre stuff 
Yeah. But then again, I was like, oh, there's some Return of the Jedi stuff in this, like blowing up the shield generator. Hmm. But this one's actually really good. So I think that whole theory just got blown up. Like a like a shield generator or not. Uh, or not. Um, or not. Well, let me let's get let's get into it. Let's blow through that. Their recap like uh, like a Bronski through a six pack and uh, we'll get on to some of that deep, deep thinking. Um, so we, we start off and we actually see the uh, remember back season two, episode nine sabotage um, where we blew up that whole graph facility and Zenobius got framed. Well, we're back. We're back there. And the Neo Megas are like revamping the place. And uh, Nara and Masala are like looking at the whole thing. It turns out there's a graph generator. It works. They're like, oh, shit, we got to tell the fleet. Uh, Draconis scrambles all his uh, his pink flying boys and the Neo Megas. them. Yeah, dude, it's like the whole it's like a swarm of wasps. It's so crazy. Um, and that's kind of like one of the things here where like I feel like for the whole episode, anytime we see like a group of troops, a goof troop, um, it's just like all of them. It's like a million of anything from jump troops to pirate ships to everything, you know? No, I was happy about that. You know, everything seems like it's like five on five, you know, but it was really nice to see like, oh, there's like a thousand guys coming at you. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's like they would have been killed if uh, who was it? Celest, the uh, the Neo Omega. He's like in his and it's the one with the most annoying voice. General, you must order your E-frames to withdraw. Are you mad, Celest? The Terrans have learned about the Graf Shield. They must be eliminated. And you must do as I say. I am commanding General of Venus. You do not tell me what to do. My authority comes from Phaeton. You can be replaced by a general who knows how to follow orders. Oh, those voices. Yeah, it's... Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> like... The voices. I mean, they're really... Is there like one guy that just does that voice? Because I feel like I've heard it before. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> I think they're. I think they're meant to be like menacing, like they're going for like a menacing tone, but it just comes off as like the DMV manager taking number voice. <laughs> like... <laughs> Sorry, you need you need two forms of identification. Did you fill out form fifty nine dash B? What's like what our impression of like really smart people is like is that they're very like they're they're just they're just dicks. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you can't add five plus five thousand. But to be fair, they are they do they do uh, pull a fast one on everybody in this one. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's and that's what we'll get to the uh, you know the, so they're like we have to kill them. And the Neomagers are like, no, let them go, let them go. And then basically they, you know, Nara and, okay, point of contention here. Or th this just hit me. They're like out yes. scouting and they're like, you know, oh no, we're going to get spotted. And Nara drops her like her, you know, Star Wars binoculars. And they're like, oh shit, let's get back to the frame. We'll use the cloaking device. And I'm like, why don't you just use the cloaking device in the E-frame, then, like, walk right up to the place you wanted to see. Like, there's no reason for them to actually get out of the E-frame with all its, like, fancy electronics, right? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, as, as a, <laughs> I think there are some logic gaps. Yeah. But but I'm willing to let, like, like they build, so they build this basically dummy graph shield, but they for, forget to power it. 
So yeah. <laughs> so then, when they with the you know the Exo Squad realizes it's a decoy, they, the way they figure that out, other than the fact that the uh, Neo Sapiens have fled, is the fact that it's like not drawing power. Yeah, which is which. Okay. Also, I mean, they're like it's a dummy switch, but the thing like lit up and was glowing from like ten miles away. So that seems like a little bit more than just like I don't know special effects it, it, it seemed like that it uh, not contrived but like you know it seemed like they missed a step with that i don't know like she could have just looked at it with the scanner and been like oh my god you know power spike what's going on and then they could have deduced it as opposed to uh you know just i guess seeing it work or seeing it get all like that kaleidoscope 90s color but <laughs> but anyway so Takagi and Bronski come by, save them. It turns out that they got big news back at base because JT Marsh lays down the info dump. I got a coded message from Admiral Winfield while you were on recon. We're going on the offensive. They're coming. The whole fleet. We're going to liberate Venus. And the whole fleet's coming along. We're going to have a big party. Uh, Winfield jumps. <laughs> Winfield has a, like a cool-ass speech, which will probably go right here. Admiral Winfield to the fleet. The moment has arrived to begin the reconquest of the homeworlds. Set course for Venus. Um, except we got bad news from uh, JT that they have a graph shield. So they're like, should we cancel the invasion? And they're like, no, no, no. We'll just send the able squad to blow it up and just leave it to the last second. Because what could possibly go wrong? Um, yeah. Keep keep flying. Do not hold back. Yeah. Because it's like, because I guess we can't stop the ships. Um. You know, so this is when we get to my favorite part of the episode, which is because they're like, you guys have that return of the Jedi mission. You got to blow the shield generator. We get a fucking training montage and it's fucking awesome. Um, Marsala and James get along. Uh, there's target practice with a drunk Bronski. Torres and Maggie are welding. It's pretty awesome. Um, there's some there's a nice uh, I'm just going to call it a beautiful welding scene. Yeah, it was be- between those two. And there's a nice um, the door of Bronte's E-frame hits his belly, which is delightful. <laughs> and we get a punch in on it, too. Yeah, like he got fatter during the training montage. <laughs> it's like everyone else is working out and he's eating. <laughs> he literally just chugs a beer, then shoots the can. He shoots the can five times, then shoots it into the bullseye. So, yeah, he's a. Uh, He's doing that hard, hard, heavy lifting. Um, we get so we get a shot of Vesta, and this is kind of a, them setting the table for later on. Um, and we get a callback. Uh, Creon, the uh, the lackey for Draconis, is back with his very Algernon esque voice, which I don't remember being that Algernon esque. Um, it's like they're not even trying to hide it. Creon to General Draconis. We are converging on the Exofleet E-frames. I've been studying the captured Neomega Sala. The Neomegas are of a higher order of intelligence than ordinary Neosapiens. But we have them, Draconis. They cannot escape. With enough time, I can neutralize anything the Neomegas can devise. Um, Winfield jumps on board the Resolute 2, which is his flagship. And, uh, yeah, now we get to, like, this is... Before we get to the action, which is pretty much straightforward, this is the one moment I want to kind of dwell on. Um, we get a shot of, like, Marsh is watching the sunrise on the day of the mission and the start of the invasion all that, and Nara's like, it's beautiful, right? Kind of doing the thing she was doing with, uh, with Hollis. It's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. And everyone where 
It's like, you know, beautiful sunrise, right? Is <laughs> She'll sleep like, with anybody who likes the sunrise. Is that her move? I think so. Like, it's she, like the, that, uh, that, that's, how, that's how she closes the deal. Like, she's like a Venus pickup artist or some shit. She's like, goes into every bar and she's like, have you ever seen the sunrise on Venus? Do you wanna? Yeah, she's like, I'll blow the first guy who's seen the sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would get around the fleet pretty quickly. <laughs> um, it's very lonely in space. Sorry. Um. So yeah. So JT's holding Naredi's picture, and like, oh yeah, he's holding her like her her baseball card. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, Naredi batting three three twenty five before her tragic tragic accident. <laughs> Oh man! But like, what would you guys think of that throwback? Do you think it was like, do you think it? Because like, what I I kind of got the feeling that it it added a sense of weight to what's going on. Like, this isn't just mission fourteen. This is like, this is a big one, and it seems as though there's an element of between all the prep that this might be a one way ticket kind of thing. But like, in that real way, not someone being like, it's a suicide mission, you know? Um, what do you guys think of the scene? They definitely bring the gravitas of this like like big time like one this this feels like something that's like and it, it's good because it's a multi episode arc but like it feels like it's something big which I think is um yeah I, th- I mean I think I'm always happy whenever they try to like throw in a little bit more weight to what's going on and make it a little more like bring a little more depth to it so like I, I you know I, I enjoyed it and i take everything kind of as like a representation of what like you know the show could do if it had more a little bit more time and space you know so i so i dig it yeah there's a lot of like kind of shorthand uh but on the way like the last episode was when the shorthand doesn't pay off as much like but this is like a yeah. really efficient beautifully done action invasion arc you know yeah, no, it's 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 nicely done. I'm glad I'm glad that they're they haven't forgotten about that, and that's sort of maybe my favorite part of it. <laughs> and speaking of adding uh, weight to the scene, we get more Bronski fat jokes. Right about yes. Uh, so basically, we get a pretty cool attack scene where they're attacking the graph generator, and you know, like able squads taking out all the frames in the air. The resistance is on the ground. Uh, Maggie and jt are fucking going for the control room and jt uh he does like the thing where he draws like an outline of his frame with the machine gun and just like knocks a hole out of the wall which is pretty awesome yes which i want to enter every room like that from now on if possible yeah that was pretty rad (laughs) you know like there's a bunch of like texts that run away that make a really amusing like yelling sounds which as a sound guy i just love because it's like anytime they're shown they make it but it never is like consistently through and the sound work is always excellent on this show, but that one was just very like someone seemed like they were a little bored being like, hey, there they are again. Ah! You know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it turns out the whole thing was a double ruse and that that graph shield generator is is a bust and that Vesta has been turned into the largest graph shield generator in the universe. So they're going to blow up the fleet, of course. Daily on at the last seconds, like they're pulling out again, just like last time. Yes, it's been too easy. JT, don't detonate the charges. Don't detonate the charges. 
Say again, Alec. I, I don't think I copied. The Neo Megas made a big show out of reactivating this base and then let our recon team escape after they'd seen it. It's a shell game. They show us what they want us to see while the real object is somewhere else. We're in the wrong place. They figure out something's wacky. But for the first time ever, really, they don't do anything about it. Like, it just kind of sits. You know, there's no like, Maggie, you know, patch me into Vesta and let's cut the power. No, it's like the Neo Megas deployed the Graf Shield to the fleet. But we get a great moment of, you know, they basically, you know, like one pirate ship gets like smushed and they see the electromagnetic ball coming towards them and they're and Simbaka in classic Simbaka, Simbaka fashion is just like, this is Simbaka, pirates, cloak. An attack. You know, they all do, and it turns out the Graf Shield can't hit them. Simbaka didn't know that, so his solution was basically keep flying, just cloak. He just guessed. Yeah, which, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, did he guess, or did he know? I feel like he must have, I got the sense that he's like, that, well, we're going to die anyway. You know, why not? Yeah, I was, I was like, he knew the whole time, and he just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> I think the goal of the scene is to suggest that he knew and like didn't tell anybody, but like given what we know about Simbaka's like just relentless urge to die in battle, like I I think it can be read multiple ways. Well, it's funny because like if if that's if he knew that, it renders the whole thing useless. Yeah. Like there's like if he just knew that they could just cloak. First of all, they should just be cloaked all the time. Yeah. <laughs> if he knew that it wouldn't work if they were cloaked, it doesn't matter if they'd blow up the other the fake one or not. They'll just go uncloaked. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Show up two feet above Vesta, cloaked, and just bombard and just kill everybody. Yeah. You know? They never do give a really good reason why you wouldn't just be cloaked all the time, do they? No. Yeah. That's what I was thinking with like with Marsala, because it's like it's they never said like you can only cloak for 30 seconds at a time. It's like, no, it's like, just hit the button, man. Just roll with it. You know, it's it's the old, uh, you know, from uh, Thank You for Smoking. Sony has a futuristic sci-fi movie they're looking to make. Message from Sector 6. All takes place in a space station. They're actively looking for some co-financing. So cigarettes in space. It's the final frontier, Nick. Yeah, but wouldn't they blow up in an all-oxygen environment? Probably. But it's an easy fix. One line of dialogue. Thank God we invented the, you know, whatever device. Brad Pitt. It's just it's one line of dialogue that could kind of tie it all up, you know. Well, what happens when you're cloaked? Well, no one can see you and you can't get hit. Well, why would I decloak? Well, you got this like little paint job on your e-frame and like you want people to see it, like. <laughs> but and, and that's basically what they do because once they fly through the graph shield, they literally get low enough to drop the jump troops. <laughs> like. Yep. It's like why not just cloak immediately? You don't need to let them know you're there until you're there. So other than that. <laughs> yeah well we get the best scene of the other best scene of the episode where uh draconis is like yo this is fucked uh and he literally picks up one the omega and shot puts him into the other one and then tells his soldiers to go execute them the cross shield has failed exo fleet jump troops and e-frames have landed i am aware of that i suggest you <laughs> i've had enough of your suggestions i am in command on venus <laughs> Get these Neomegas out of my sight. Permanently. Phaeton will not allow this. Phaeton will be told of your heroic last moments battling the Terran invaders. Now get them out of here. 
which is an awesome it's, there's an aw, that's an awesome scene yeah he's i mean he literally like just the guy's like oh well we can wow and he just like fucking hocks him it's so good and then they're like little little babies in the arms of the neo-sapien soldiers like and and the one guy is like you can't hurt us we're phaeton's favorites and then <laughs> and then draconis is like and he's gonna know that you died heroically as he gets dragged out yeah. um again suffering the fate of all uh incompetent villains yeah like, we, we doubled up we got two for one neo sapiens love dragging guys off they're just so into it yeah <laughs> that's just that sounds like a different kind of website <laughs> Yeah, dragon guys off, dragon guys off. Dot <laughs> edu. <laughs> um, I guess that vn for Venus, maybe. But that, that that sounds like that sounds like a British slang term that like Americans don't know, but sounds dirty. You drag me off, like you dragging me off. <laughs> are we are we invading v- Venus? Are you dragging me off? Are you dragging me off? <laughs> <laughs> Venus invasion. I'm getting dragged off. Dragon by the Venus? You hear about that bird? She got a full Venusian. Are you dragging me off? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we get to we get it's to Venus. It's Venusian. Yeah. Um, Venusian. Have you ever seen the sunrise on Venus? Is she going to drag me off? Um. So. Oh. <laughs> The other meaning. Uh, so we get it ends with Able Squad's like miles from the fight, and they see like the explosions on the in the distance. As Draconis has said, they're gonna have the last stand at Vesta, um, which is I think throwing in the towel pretty quickly. Yeah. But um, and we JT gives him a bit of a little speech. We're doing it, JT. We're taking back Venus. We're taking back our home. We've waited a long time for this day to come. It's the beginning of the end for Phaeton, but we've still got a lot of work to do. Okay, people, let's frame up. And it ends with them being like, you know, it, it starts now. Let's do this. Let's frame up. And they're running to their frames as we fade to black. So, holy fuck, right? This is pretty fun. Or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's sweet. No, I mean, it's like, despite all these little gaps in logic, I think it's really fun. And I think that it's like this nice back and forth battle that like is being waged between the Neomegas and the, and the Terrans. It's, it's also cool to see some like forward movement in like the overall story. Yes. Like, like we've kind of like for the past couple episodes, it's kind of been like, well, you have to do this mission. Why? Well, yeah. (laughs) I don't want to, yeah, like, no one wants to watch a show where you guys just do push-ups in your cell all day. Like, <laughs> Space Yeah, there was, no, there was no fallout from the um, gooey guy mission. It just went straight to, like, we're liberating Venus, and you're like, cool, that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, this feels much more significant. And, like, it's cool, too, because it, like, brings around a lot of the characters that, like, we've seen before, like, with James and everything, like. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's it's tying things together a bit and you know you don't really know why you need that gooey guy episode in the middle right because like on the episode before that they're doing the recon um they get gooey guyed out and then we're here like you know it's, it's really 
I don't know if it's just trying to like add in a little padding or something like that, or you know, bring us down a little bit before we get to the really good stuff. But like that last episode looks even worse in comparison, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. What were the things that really worked for you guys in this episode? Um, like, I mean, I think we've kind of hit said a little bit of it. I, you know, I I like that the, there's. I mean, maybe the best thing was what Ryan just said, which is that it feels like a, a very important episode, a big episode, and that there's forward momentum with the plot. And there's that weight with, with the Naredi photo. Um, I like the back and forth. I like the game, the sort of the gamesmanship between them. Like, you know, I can, I can extrapolate out that there's this, like, these head games going on between them in the midst of the battle. It's the battle within the battle. Uh, <laughs> the game within the game, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I sort, of, I sort of dug that it just seems like a big episode. Yeah, and I think it was pulled off well. You know, there's, I think, you know, with everything you can gripe about the um, logic of every little thing, but I think it, you know, really comes off well. No, there's, there's an efficiency to the storytelling in this episode that I really dug. Like, I remember while I was watching it, and I was like at the uh, fifteen minute mark or so. And I was like, holy shit, this is like, I got it, you know, it's got to be right at the end. And I'm like, no, we basically have another act to this story. Um, they pack so much into this one. And it's just, it just feels right. The pacing's great. Like, you know, this is, it, it's not one of my most memorable episodes or one of my favorite episodes, but this is like, from a technical standpoint, one of the ones where I'm just like, like kind of a little blown away, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. It's, I think it's sort of a culmination of what the show can be i think in that sort of matches the sort of fun genre stuff with the you know real world references you know to you know liberating france say probably what it is right um versus or maybe or italy it's like italy some it's some it's it's something like that it's something that's not quite the lion's den right it's like some north africa maybe no, i, I was even, thinking maybe you know, north africa because i guess more arid landscape or something i guess it just seems like there's venus and earth so this seems like a mars right Mar- yeah i guess that's true but then... how's the how's the food on venus if it's good then it's italy <laughs> maybe, maybe it's italy would so would mars be germany or would because it's like their home planet or would mars be oh i don't know or would earth be it's it's basically i mean it's not, it's not i don't think it's directly analogous so it's hard to yeah, because yeah, then, then this, it's basically being like, being like, in this alternate timeline, Hitler went to France and set up his base there, and that's the last place we're going to liberate. Or unless you did it like a Japan, th- and never mind. Anyway, it seems like a big deal. deal. Oh yeah, no, it feels that like that they're liberating. You know, the wheels rolling. So, so yeah, uh, and, I, and I really did like the. Uh, there's the whole building's a graph shield bit they do. I think that's really sweet. Yeah, that was... A, so when they turn it on, I didn't say this, but, like, cars in the streets are, like, smushed together and, like, people are freaking out, which is, like, kind of a great thing because, again, we get a little glimpse of uh, how people are living on Venus that are not, like, you know, the Burnses. But... Yeah, totally. So, with that said, who's y'all's MVP? Uh, I'm going to give it to Simbaka, uh, for either being brilliant or just an absolute savage. Like, 
He either he either knew ahead of time and was like ready for it, or was just like, "Fuck it, let's roll." Like, <laughs> <laughs> if he knew ahead of time, he really should have said something. Yeah, it's not like they're keeping big secrets at this point. Yeah. Um, I'll mix it up. I'll give it to uh, DeLeon for recognizing that it was too easy. Mm. I think he, he has a big moment there. It's French for the Leon. That's right. Um, I'm gonna g- <laughs> Plus, it was nice to see him kind of like doing something again. Um, yeah, he was such a big part of season one that it's like he's really felt a little absent this season. Well, because he had like, like the big run with uh, JT with the Pirates, and then now he's like, you know... He's kind of been playing second fiddle, except when they need to be like, why is this not working? Well, you know, he's like the IT guy. Um, I'm going to give mine to Draconis just for that sweet, sweet lawn darting of those Neomegas into each other. That was um, awesome. Can we, make, can we make that the photo for this episode? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to find the best version of that. Uh, there's also a scene where he really passively, aggressively, like, talks to one of them. He, like, he's going to go fly out and kill uh, Nara and Marsala. And then the is like, don't go. And he's like, I'm going to go. And he closes like the canopy to his frame. He's like, no, 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 really, don't go. Open. I'm going to go. And it just goes like that for like two or three times. So he had some really great moments. Plus when his like shuttle flies in at the start, it's like in disco mode and like all the lights are going nuts. It's pretty great. Um, we got any uh, any plugs? Can I say that somebody made a purchase on Two Loopy Ladies? I don't know if it was one of our listeners. <laughs> Wait, if you're out there. Thank you. Holy shit. And if you're not, and if you're not, please go to Etsy.com and search for two loopy ladies. You can find something wonderful crocheted, but uh, they did sell something. So yeah. if it's one of our listeners, thank you. You are very attractive and smart and uh, your value comes from what's inside, not what's not from outside. No, 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 Chris. Now they're attractive. Now that they got that sweet hat from two loopy ladies.org. Well, you're going to be looking a lot better. So. <laughs> No, that's awesome, man. That's sweet. Very exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, God. I'm going to plug our Patreon again. If you uh, want to get in on that sweet, sweet Patreon action, please, 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 go to patreon.com slash exosquadgoals and you can support us for as little as $2 a month. And we will get you, you will get access to uh, new episodes that are going to be coming up soon so secret episodes so yeah just check that out you know it helps cover the cost of the website and uh general production so yeah yeah i want to say i want to say you can there's to me there's no limit to how much you can spend on us oh yeah no you can uh don't don't feel constrained by my arbitrary dollar amounts i mean if you want to be like a triple admiral go for it man like shoot like live your best life yeah you do you do you doing us with money um so there's that that sounds gross um but yeah and uh that's also beautiful yeah it's bringing us all together well well, you know what we're past it we'll skip the uh, q a thing this week but uh if you responded thank you so much for that uh we've been trying to be a little more interactive with that sort of stuff so keep on keeping on and i'll try to get them up a little earlier when I remember. Um, do you guys have anything you'd like to recommend this week? I will not recommend Zima, which is what I've been drinking, and it is gross. So let's be clear that it's something different, and if different is bad, then it's that. 
Um, I'm reading the book in the garden of beasts. Oh yeah, dude. I'm very good. I'm enjoying it. Really good book. Eric Larson. Yeah. That's right. Of the uptown Larson's. <laughs> That's a sweet book, man. Uh, yeah, no, really good. And really kind of apropos to our world war two themed show. Yeah, no, it's uh, and some of the imagery he slips in there is like pretty great. Like, uh, the things you wouldn't consider about, you know, sort of, uh, it's, it, well, it's basically about the uh, <clears throat> the U.S. ambassador to Berlin in the build-up to World War II, and kind of yeah. all that, all that, all that, the stuff that goes with that. So, what's well, funny? It's funny because it's, they sold the film film rights um, to Tom Hanks's company, imagining Tom Hanks to play the part. I don't know if it's coming out or what they're doing with it, but I, I was like, this would be a really good like Mad Men kind of show, <laughs> like like um, Berlin in 1933, like onward and like yeah it just seems like it just it's like a really interesting time period with like a lot of like glitz and glamour but then this like you know where it's going in this descent into you know full-blown full nazism yeah well it's got that titanic thing where it's you know wow this is awesome look how glamorous and fun everything is and you know in the background you see guys in fucking like brown shirts and shit you know like yeah, no, it's it's coming, and it's just it's a really good read if you're out there and you want to pick up a good book. Hells yeah! What you got, Ryan? Uh, I started watching Carnival uh, on HBO, which is really good. Um, it's uh, it's like a Dust Bowl era uh, fantasy about a carnival. Um, I'm only a couple of episodes in, but it's sweet. Uh, and yeah, that's my big recommendation. Hells yeah! Yeah, I'm gonna recommend uh, just. You know, literally just saw it. Logan Lucky was a lot of fun. If you like a Soderbergh kind of heist movie, a lot of really good performances. And uh, I mean, you know, you got you got all the main players, but there's like a side, total side character that's played by like a Catherine Watterson. And I'm like, that's when you know you're like a big director when you can like basically pull a decent up and coming actress who's been in a bunch of stuff and just be like, you're going to be in this like two second role um, just because. So it's, it's a lot of fun and it's really it's a good two hours spent so check it out i'm sure this is going to be the thing that puts it over that hump for you know viewership but yeah well guys any final thoughts uh buy stuff from us <laughs> yeah yeah in the end capitalism and thank you yeah in summary two loopy ladies yeah <laughs> two loopy ladies can we just start a two loopy ladies podcast after this one? It should, yes. It's basically what this has been. The, the, what we'll do is, and this will be the ultimate, uh, the ultimate loopy <laughs> part is we'll call it two loopy ladies, but then it'll be just a bunch of three, three white dudes just bullshitting for like yeah. an hour and a half at a time. Um, we'll end each episode with an excess quad plug. <laughs> yeah. We'll plug our podcast, which is no longer on the air. It's like, Hey, check out the new episodes of excess squad goals. But uh, that'll be five years from now when we're all billionaires. Um, yes. <clears throat> well, on that note, I would like to thank Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. You can find his stuff on YouTube, the World Wide Web of Stuff at 331 E-Rock. His stuff's really good. Uh, it's the internet of the internet. Yeah. If you if you yell into your Google machine, Eric Calderon, you will probably find him or, I don't know, maybe a shorter basketball player who's really good at hitting threes. Um you can reach out to us on Twitter at ExoSquadGoals. Email us, ExoSquadGoals at gmail.com. Um, yeah. 
you know, we come out with a new episode every Saturday-ish. Uh, we may change up our release schedule a pinch, but we will keep you informed on the Twitter, so it's a reason to go there. Uh, and yeah, our next episode is that Venus rising. Um, that V-Rise. So, one last thing. Leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't. Write us a review. It really helps people find the episode, and I want to try to beat the next show if you search exosquad that pops up which has nine reviews we have eight so someone jump on that two people jump on that we can we can totally kick their ass man um wait there's another exosquad podcast no no that's nice just like a saturday morning cartoon podcast that's like exosquad was a thing oh and I'm like i'm like i'll fight you yeah we're the only dedicated exosquad podcast so yeah. we are the number one exosquad cast yes um but yeah, come at us, bro. Um, yeah, they're at, well, they're at eight star reviews, or I'm sorry, they're at nine. We're at eight, so you don't even need to write a review. Just just hit that star button, man. Just, just click it. Slam that. Just smash that star button, fam. Yeah, smash that, smash that star button. So, uh, well, on that note, for Exo Squad goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy, and I'm Chris Ferrandino. Are there any heroes in this company? No, sir. No, sir. Sima. Okay. Great episode. Best episode ever. Woo! Killed a guy. Yeah, you killed a guy? Yeah, man. <laughs> Sorry. Fuck. I should have plugged that. <laughs> any, any, any plugs? Murder. <laughs> we're we're going to kickstart Ryan's defense fund. <laughs> I would like to plug the holes in my story. <laughs> the murder I just committed. Anything, anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, someone telling people I was with them on the night of August 28th at 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> feel free, to, feel free to leave us a review or alibi on our. On our yeah, tweet at us an alibi for Ryan. What was he doing the night he murdered someone? <laughs> the best alibi will will be chosen as the winner. Now, now, Ryan, don't go murder someone like a year from now because this will be super awkward. Yeah, no, yeah, none of us, none of us can do any murders from now on. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. <laughs> No one, no one on this podcast murdered anybody, especially <laughs> not me. <laughs> I think murder is like hard for people, some people to not do. <laughs> like it's just, just don't do that, and you'll be fine. Have you considered not being a murderer? <laughs> Billy, what's wrong? I went to the guidance counselor. What did he say? He said I should be a murderer. I'm just really good at it. I took this test. So that's gonna be a murder one. <laughs> yeah, it was like, are you good at hiding? Do you have strong hands? How's your stabbing technique? And then Tom Cruise arrested me. <laughs> <laughs>